Welcome to this podcast brought to you by Agriculture Victoria and Mallee Sustainable Farming through funding from the Victorian Government's 2019-20 Drought Support Package. Ensure you're not the smartest person in the room. It sounds like advice for avoiding responsibility. In fact, it's entirely the opposite. It's one of the guiding principles for making good decisions, which is used by John Gladigo, who's a third-generation farmer from the northern Mallee region of South Australia. John developed a number of key decision-making principles after being awarded a Nuffield Scholarship to look at farming business structures around the world. He joins me in the AgVic studio to discuss his approach to improved decision-making. John, thanks for your time. Thanks, Truth. Really good to chat to you. John, you've got a, quite a concise statement. It says, when times are tough, good decision-making is more important than ever. John, you've been through arguably one of the toughest stretches possible for your property. What have you been dealing with? Yeah, look, it's been a really tough few years uh, for us. I mean, we set up a collaborative farm in 2009 and our first year was a drought. And uh, of the 11 years that we've been going, we've only had two above average years. And in the last three years have been diabolical. 2018 and 2019 are both in the four driest years in recorded history. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been pretty tough. It's been certainly very demoralising and it starts making you uh, question, I guess, why you even are doing what you're doing. And, you know, we can give ourselves solace, I suppose, in that we've actually performed extraordinarily well in those years, and especially from a conservation sustainability perspective. But financially, of course, um, that doesn't cut the mustard. So, uh, yes, it's sort of making decisions in that time is, is really difficult. And it's really easy just to put your head in the sand and uh, just hope it all goes away. The ability to make decisions now and the way you're dealing with this difficult circumstances, that goes back quite a way, though, doesn't it, to making a good decision for you in terms of deciding to collaborate? What did you do? Yeah, well, I guess I've always been passionate about you know finding ways um, for people to work together. And maybe part of that is the fact that I like to feed off of other people and, and work together with other people and guess, you know, respect the views of other people as well. For me, I could never work out um, why farmers didn't work together more than what they did. You know, we, we live in our own little islands, we live in our own little we actually don't talk to each other very much. Um, we we uh, keep our business very much close to ourselves. And maybe it was the fact that I uh, jumped on a plane as a 19-year-old and spent eight months working in the US uh, at that stage and sort of saw the bigger picture of the world that I realised that by working with people and networking with people and, and experiencing the bigger picture that you could make significant differences to your own business. And, and then coming back and seeing that others weren't doing the same. So I guess I've re- always been focused on well, you know, how can you actually leverage other people, I suppose, and uh, leverage relationships, not only for just your benefit, but for theirs as well. I think there's as much that we have to give as what we get. Well, how did you leverage your relationship back those years ago in terms of the family farm that you were living on? You decided that there was a different way forward to give it a different future. Well, I did, but I guess I spent some time trying to work out how I'd even go about doing that. And In the uh, late 90s, um, early 2000s, I became part of a, a farmer discussion group, which uh, was mainly a group of young farmers, about like eight to ten businesses. And, and we came together with a, an independent facilitator in, in Mike Krause. And basically, it started off as a benchmarking group where we were sort of comparing our businesses and comparing our financials. But it ended up becoming this very comfortable, confidential forum in which we could share ideas and challenge each other and talk about our own ideas and look at how we could make our farm businesses better 
And I think I learned a lot through that of the value of sharing, the value of being transparent about what we do so that, uh, you know, the reality is, is that in agriculture, we're all in it together. We can actually feed off the successes of each other. The only time we're in competition with each other is if we go for an auction on land. Besides that, we're all in it together and, and uh, if we can actually help each other, then why wouldn't we? So it was through that experience too, I guess I was looking more at, well, okay, sharing knowledge is one thing, but I mean, are there ways we can work together with, you know, with labour, with machinery, uh, with infrastructure? And I guess that started my whole uh, collaborative farming journey and the, the search for even more knowledge and finding, I guess, even smarter people out there who'd done things that I hadn't that I could learn from. Well, how did you pursue learning more though, John, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to do it. Yeah, it is. Um, I, mean, I guess I did been chasing a number of courses and things around the place, but the big thing for me was that I took the big step and applied for a Nuffield Scholarship in 2006 to look at uh, collaborative farming systems around the world. I was uh, very privileged and honoured to uh, be awarded that. and So that just completely opened up my eyes because I got to spend 16 weeks travelling the globe and speaking to some of the best business operators on the planet about how they went about working together and what sort of structures that they managed to set up. And and it's interesting because, you know, I guess I went away with a mindset of all these things and all of agriculture was all about economics and it was all about, you know, creating efficiencies and economies of scale. And I learned that they were actually all byproducts. And what it really was about was about relationships. It was about people. It was about effective decision making. And if you could get those things right, then the efficiencies and the profitability and the sustainability sort of falls out the back of that. So that was probably the big learning and, and I came home probably with a different value set in a way and, and, and a different mindset in how to create a business going forward. Now you chose a unique path though to create a business. Not everybody would do what you did. What did you do? Yeah, well, we set up a collaborative farm, which was very unique. I didn't even realise how unique it was. We took two family farms of a similar size and put them together and ran them as one and then doubled them again. So, you know, we had 2,000 hectares in our own property and joined together with another 2,000 hectare property and then went and found another 4,000 hectares. So we ended up with an 8,000 hectare farm. I ended up becoming a partner in a farm that was four times the size of my original property. In order to make that work, obviously, we had to put some really professional structures in place place we had to put in have effective decision making uh, protocols and so I guess it, it really sharpened us up and it helped us take it to a whole different level and so in order for that to work you know you have to have really effective decision making process but you also have to have very strong relationships as well between all of those stakeholders you know whether it's between you know, employees or the people you deal with or you know your finances migraine uh, uh, marketers uh, all these sorts of people and it was an exciting time but the other good thing about it is is that um, you know, we had this forum within the business especially you know, initially between myself and robin as as the two business owners as such where we could actually bounce ideas off each other and, and make decisions together rather than making them independently. So that was uh, really quite significant. You've summarised your experiences over the last 15 years or so in terms of some of the key things you need to make good decisions and other people as well. So let's go through a few of those, John. The first one, get off the dance floor and up onto the balcony. I understand that comes from an experience which you might be able to describe briefly, but really what's the intent of it? 
Well, I think we, we spend our, our lives just consumed in our businesses. And uh, a lot of us are really good at what we do, um, but we're just dealing with the everyday. And you know, I guess the experience that you speak of is when I was in the UK earlier this year where at a leadership course where we, we did an exercise where we were down on the dance floor and we were trying to get from A to B and, and uh, it was all okay and it was all very effective and some people were better at it than others. But uh, you did keep bumping into people and you did keep uh, not always knowing whether the correct path was. But then we were taken up onto the balcony to look down onto the dance floor where everyone else was and, and it made you realise that there were places where there were gaps, there were places where there were bottlenecks, there were some people moving faster, others were slower, some people were sitting off on their own uh, doing their own thing and you had a much better idea of, of how to create a path going forward and, and a much greater idea of exactly everything that was going on. And I think it's just a really good analogy and it's something that I've always sort of taken with me this idea of taking a step back from your business and, and looking at it um, from a strategic perspective, you know, from above as much as you can and see, um, yeah, to see all of the moving parts of your business working together so that you can work out an effective way forward. And, and I think that, you know, there, there's, there's ways and, and means of, of doing that. But um, because having that approach in mind, I suppose, when you're looking at strategy, where do I want to be? How am I going to get there? Well, in terms of how you get there, one of your other points is start off with a blank sheet of paper. We actually did that with Pullabara right back at the very start in, in, uh, you know, in 2008. We sat down with a big sheet of paper and we said, if we're going to create uh, the most efficient, profitable, sustainable business in, in our part of the world, uh, what does it look like? And to do that, you can't have any preconceptions. You can't have any restrictions. You can't sort of look at what you've currently got in place and just try and make it better. In a perfect world, what does it all look like? So we basically did that. We actually designed a farm and, and then we strove to, to make that happen. And you know, as an example of how that blank sheet of paper looks, we both own machinery, for example, in our own 2,000 hectare businesses. And it was good machinery. It was relevant for the time, but none of that machinery ended up in the new business because it wasn't relevant to that business. And so, you know, we actually sold all of that, which is a pretty big call to make, and then, you know, use the proceeds from that turn around and finance the machinery we needed to farm this much larger farm. That's all part of that whole, you know, blank sheet of paper approach. You know, what sort of people do you need to run the business? Are you actually the best person to be in the business yourself? You know, like, where do you fit? There are things that, that I know that, that I'm good at, but also things I'm not so good at. And I think, you know, for most farmers, it's uh, you're a jack of all trades, a master of none. And I guess what we've tried to do a bit more in our collaborative business is to be specialised in, in areas or working in the areas of your passion. And you can only sort of identify those by, you know, starting off with that blank sheet and, and uh, mapping it out and working out where everybody fits. In terms of where everybody fits, you've also got another point, which for some people might be swallowing their ego a bit, and that's ensure you're not the smartest person in the room. That would rub against the grain for some. Why do you say that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's exactly right because the, the thing is that uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you've got nothing to learn. There were no one to learn from, should I say. You know, we don't actually know everything about everything and, and uh, it's just such an important point, I think, that we should, it should always be a continual life of learning and within your own business. I think by bringing in expert support in things like whether it's grain marketing, whether it's agronomy, whether it's in business advice, financial, or even in strategy or, or just thinking in concepts which is way beyond what you normally would, to stretch your imagination, to push your whole uh, business acumen, I guess. And 
it comes back to that point I made earlier about the fact that uh, you know, farmers, we live in our own little island and we aren't often that transparent and we kind of like to uh, just act in our own little worlds. And I think if you break that apart a little bit and you um, are looking to push the boundaries a little bit, if you're open about what uh, you're good at and what you're poor at, it's much easier to, say, to bring people in to actually help you out in the areas that you need it. On that point of being open, you also talk about the importance of understanding how emotion and personalities can influence mm. decision-making. That seems to be a big one for you. Uh, it, it was huge. When I did my Nuffield scholarship, I mean, I visited 20 or 30 leading businesses around the world, and, and not mainly you know, collaborative-type businesses, but they were you know, very strong businesses. And every one of them, one of the questions I asked was, what's the biggest threat to the future success of this business? And every business owner said the biggest threat was emotions. Uh, emotions and personalities. I mean, you can have the most effective business from an economical perspective. It could be highly profitable. You know, it could be long-term sustainable, but if there are emotional issues in there, if there are differences in values, if there are people that don't enjoy, you know, working together or if there's people that don't feel like that they're actually being heard, then uh, the whole thing can just um, can fall in a hole, you know, really, really quickly. I think we've all seen examples of amazing businesses. You think, I just can't believe that they fell apart, but it's because of the emotions. And so that was probably one of the scariest things that I saw on my, on my scholarship was that fact that it just kept getting rammed into me over and over again. Emotions is the biggest hurdle. And it made me realise, because I could never really work out why it was it wasn't more collaborative businesses. You know, why haven't more people done what we ended up doing with Bulabara? And it's because the emotional hurdles are just way too hard to get over them. And, you know, those emotions are not necessarily a bad thing. Emotions are a good thing and they, they can certainly influence our decision-making in a positive way. But they are around things like our heritage, for example. That affects our decision-making. You know, our, our partners, our children. If you look at uh, succession, if you've got kids who, who are looking to come home or, or if you don't, I mean, that, that affects your... Uh, the way you make decisions, if you have a, a real community spirit or if you maybe don't so much. Those things all come through in, in the way, the, the prism in it, which you look at how you make decisions. And, and the thing is that with emotion is that you actually don't realise you have it. You think you're coming into it completely clear, completely logical, without any emotion, but you carry that with you and you actually can't see it yourself. And I think that's the important thing. You cannot generally see the emotion that you carry yourself. Well, if you can't see it then, John, the next point runs on from that very well, which is have an independent voice within your business. And I think that's the silver bullet. I I think uh, in the end that's probably the reason why we decided to progress 11 years ago is because all the businesses that I came across that were successful all had an independent voice within their business. And so we set about doing that right from day one. We brought in an independent person who ultimately became our chairman, our independent chairman of, of our our farm, who had no extra grind, he had no, actually wasn't involved in agriculture as such, yet could be that independent facilitator so that when, especially on Robin and I, you know, we were sitting in a room together and came in and with our own views, I suppose, is that he was able to ensure that we were properly heard or to ask the right questions so that the reasoning behind our decisions, which is usually all about emotions, would come to the forefront so that you could actually make good, effective decisions. And the independent chairman we have in our business, he's the one that basically ensures that we always act professional wherever we possibly can, that our decisions are based around creating greater efficiencies, high level of profitability and long-term sustainability. And so it's it's much easier for him to 
ask those sort of questions and probe in those sort of areas because he's not put up in the emotion and so can actually do that in a rational way. And so, you know, it's it's interesting. There's been so many times um, in our business where uh, Robin and I have actually agreed on something completely. And, um, you know, whether it's about the purchase of a piece of machinery or, or something that we're looking to do in a business or a direction that we've planned to go. And so in principle, we've, we've agreed and, and yet we've deliberately taken it to our board with our independent chairman and walked away from those board meetings and gone off in a different direction completely or completely changed our mind or delayed a decision because we've actually had a process by which we could work through those decisions much more effectively and, and the realisation that, uh, you know, we were probably making some of those decisions with emotion that we didn't even realise was there. Lastly, you make the point in uh, this structure of decision-making in terms of it's not just you. Ensure everybody has a voice. Absolutely. And when it's not just you, it's, it's you, it's your life partners, it's your employees, and it's not just the ones that have been there for a long time, it's the ones that might have been there for a short period of time. There's stuff that you can learn uh, you know, from everyone. One thing is, is I think is it's really constructive to do is you know, to sit around a table and say to everyone, you know, where do you see yourselves in five years or, or ten years? And you might be quite surprised by the answers to that because where people see themselves in the future and their, their viewpoints on life will, will affect the way that they see the things that you're doing in your business and the value that they can add to your business in, in helping with that decision-making. I guess the thing is we need to realise is that every decision we make impacts on not just ourselves, but it impacts on everyone you know, within the business and people that are directly related to the business. And so I guess involving as many people as possible in that decision-making process, it can lead to much better decisions down the track. And also decisions that more people feel like they have ownership in. And if they feel like they have ownership in them, then they feel invested in those decisions and then they'll help drive your business to a different level because it's not just um, you know someone running around with a big stick saying this is where we're going. It's, no, this is the direction that we're all going together. John, we've talked about the decision-making process and your points there that you think are important. Just briefly, though, you've actually got some good decision-making tools. We won't go through them all in detail, but basically what's the premise of them? Why are these tools important? I think it's it's about you know having just some sort of a structure or be, being deliberate in your approach to decision making. I think uh, I'm not always big on getting things down on paper, but the realization that if you do, you've been talking about the whole blank sheet of paper type approach, and even having a, a structured way of, of getting everything down on paper, and then looking at getting you know alternate points of view to put down on paper as well. It's that whole getting up onto the balcony thing again. It's actually been able to look down over the whole decision and see all of the influences in it to help make a, a more um, a rational decision, I suppose, and a strong decision going forward. So that's why we tend to use some of these decision-making tools and also having the independent person to help us work through that. So it's not just in an odd hack fashion, it's actually by having a structured way of uh, making the decision, but also to ensure that everyone is heard. Well, John, I think it's a good opportunity for people to actually go and find out more about those decision-making tools by hopping on the Mallee Sustainable Farming website where they can find a great webinar from you which delves into those even further. But John Gladigo from Bullaburra, thank you for joining me in the AgVic studio to discuss improved decision-making and also all the best for the season ahead. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate the chat.
The information provided in this podcast is of a general nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on information provided in this podcast.